Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com and visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog at writerwriterpantsonfire.blogspot.com. I'm looking for support in 2018 to keep the show going and have started a GoFundMe. If the show has been of any help to you on your writing journey, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating so that I can continue airing. Visit GoFundMe.com and search for Writer Writer Pants on Fire to contribute. Today, for the first time, we're doing a group chat because my talented author guests are co-authoring a book together, The Pros of Cons, which is about friendships that form between three main characters while attending three different cons being held at the same location. Allison Cherry is the author of the young adult novels Red, For Real, and Look Both Ways, and the middle grade novels The Classy Crooks Club and Willows vs. Wolverines. She is also the co-author of Best Night Ever. Allison is a professional photographer and worked for many years as a lighting designer for theater, opera, and dance productions. Lindsay Rebar is the author of The Art of Wishing Duology, as well as the Andre Norton Award-nominated Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. She spends her days working in book publishing and her nights reading far too much fan fiction on her phone. Michelle Schusterman is the author of the middle grade fantasy Olive and the Backstage Ghost and the upcoming Spell and Spindle, as well as the I Heart Band and the Cats and Clarifiles series. She's also the co-author of the Secrets of Topsy series, writing as M. Shelley Coates. Allison, Lindsay, and Michelle join me today to talk about how they each found their agents and how the idea for their co-authored book originated. What would happen if Queen Victoria was killed early in her reign? The Queen of England, Coronation, by Courtney Brandt, features an alternate steampunk history of London starting in 1840. Will the new Queen's reign be over before it has a chance to begin? Download the novel to find out. Since most of my listeners are aspiring writers, a lot of them are interested in successful agent hunt stories. Since I've got three of you here, if you could just each give me a quick rundown of how you went from unagented to agented. Sure. This is Allison. So I started querying in 2010 with a book that was contemporary and very autobiographical and very, very, very long and not very good. And I sent it out to, I don't know, probably 20 people. And one of them was Holly Root, who is the lady who ended up being my agent. It takes a really long time to read stuff because she gets a ridiculous amount of queries. So I queried her in probably May. And then I heard from her in November. And she was like, hey, I really love this book. I can't stop thinking about it. I also don't think I can sell it. Do you have anything else? Mm -hmm. And I was in the middle of writing what would become my first sold book. I sent her like a couple of chapters and she was like, great, I'm going to read this. Do you want to meet with me when I'm in town for a CBWI? 
So I did that and I thought it was going to be this whole discussion about like how to make the first book better. And I had like printed out the manuscript and I was going to, you printed I, out I the printed manuscript. It out. I brought it with me. I like, read wow. it again. I was like so prepared. Oh, wow. And then I got there and she was like, so the second thing, um, I want you to just finish that and I'm going to save a spot for you and didn't want to talk about the first one at all. <laughs> So I went home and did that. And that took me about six months. I sent it to her and she signed me four days later. I also queried my first book in 2010. This is Michelle, by the way. I did query my current agent, Sarah Davies, who sent me a very kind rejection. I probably queried a hundred other agents. It was one of those things that didn't work out. Like I barely had any interest. That was like sort of an attempted YA. And then I realized that I, my voice at the time was better suited to middle grade. So I wrote a middle grade book and queried in small batches, I think six agents to start with one offered within a week. And I was very excited. I think I was maybe doing some revisions on it. And Sarah Davies called me and made an offer I had just sent her the manuscript like 24 hours before. And it was like a Saturday. I was so flustered. I remember I must have sounded like the biggest moron on the phone with her. And I told her I had another offer. And But to be honest, I didn't really have to think about it very hard because I had been reading her blog for months and I was just kind of enamored with her. <laughs> so yeah, I signed with her really quickly. It happened very fast for that second book. <laughs> Holly Root and Sarah Davies are both just top-notch. I had a writer girl crush on both of them myself when I was trying. <laughs> we to get we both had writer girl crushes on them still. Yes. <laughs> Hi, this is Lindsay. I had kind of a, a different weird situation that still involved querying. I was a literary agent when I was looking to get signed with a literary agent. I was working at an agency called Sanford Greenberger Associates. And one of the agents that I wanted to query was Brenda Bowen, who worked across the hall from me. I had this book that was like this YA urban fantasy, which you may note is not a genre. <laughs> um, I queried probably about 30 agents with it, including Brenda, who rejected me from across the hall, <laughs> which, which, which I think was more awkward for her than it was for me. She just sort of like said, sorry, I really like your writing, but this book doesn't really work for me and fled into her office and shut the door. <laughs> she did it in person? Oh yeah, she did oh it in person. God. We worked in the same office. It would have been really weird if she hadn't done it in person. I got some interest, but no actual bites. And eventually I just sort of lost interest in the project and I started drafting something else. And Brenda, who is a lovely, lovely human, she would ask me about how the querying was going and how my writing was going. And I told her about the new book, which was a genie romance that would eventually become the art of wishing. And she was like, genies, you say, can I get you to send me that? And I was like, twist my fucking arm. And so I did. And, <laughs> and she offered on it like a week later. Yeah, for a while I was working across the hall from my agent, which was both great and super weird. <laughs> but I'm not an agent anymore, which makes it less weird. <laughs> what was it like when she came into your office and told you that she wanted to sign you? It was great. And it was not as straightforward as that because I had other offers on that book. I had to be like, do I want to sign with this dream agent of mine, this other dream agent of mine, or this third dream agent of mine? <laughs> and I had to weigh a couple of options, but ultimately... Brenda was my agent crush, just like Allison and Michelle said before. She was one of those people, like, before I even got into the industry, I knew who she was. And I was like, I want to be you when I grow up and or marry you. I'm not actually <laughs> sure which one. Ah. We've got a powerhouse trio of agents behind us, we which do. is pretty great. 
Absolutely. Yeah, they're all recognizable names from good agencies. So that's really cool. Yeah. I love that you were rejected in person. (laughs) In the middle of my work day. I mean, she's the nicest human you will ever meet. So it was actually the nicest rejection that I got. The in-person thing made it a little weird. But again, I really think it was weirder for her than it was for me. It would have been so awesome if she printed out a form rejection and just shoved it under your door. (laughs) Or just like taken one of the form rejections that I kept on my desk and just slid it in front of me. She should have done that. Oh, no. That would have been amazing. I have a box of rejections because I was querying back when you sent a self-addressed stamped envelope and Mm. they sent you back your query letter with no written across it (laughs) oh god really yeah oh yeah god at least we we had like these little pre-printed postcards on like fancy card stock yeah i got those yeah (laughs) oh god i hope you didn't get one from us (laughs) we're talking 2003 like oh Oh, wow all right yeah i sucked for a long time (laughs) we all decent i've read your stuff you're awesome Thank you, but I was not made that way. I became that way. I mean, just say we all, right? And that's why humility is so important. (laughs) Like a combination of humility and being willing to promote your own stuff at least a little. That's the part I have trouble with, not the humility. (laughs) You have to have humility, but then you also have to be absolutely convinced that you can't do it. Mm You can't write everything thinking, yeah, this sucks and I suck and I'm never going to get published because you can't keep doing that. You will stop. Yeah, true. The Pros of Cons is a co-authored project between the three of you about the fast and tight friendships that can quickly develop between convention attendees. Although in the case of your novel, each of your characters is attending a different con being held at the same location. Callie is attending the World Taxidermy Championships, which, love that. Um, (laughs) Phoebe is there for the Indoor Percussion Association convention. And Nessie is participating in the We Treasure Fandom Con. So where did the idea for this originate? And how did the three of you come together to write it? So Lindsay and I went to LeakyCon together in 2014. Mm -hmm. LeakyCon, for those of you who do not know, is a primarily Harry Potter fan convention, but it has lots of other stuff, too. And at the same convention center, at the same time, there was a chess convention, a church convention, and Miss America. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very strange. And I just kind of stood in the lobby and looked around and went, yeah, this is a book right here. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sitting next to her when she's like having this realization. And I was like, Allison, 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 I need in on this, please. (laughs) (laughs) and then we roped michelle in because michelle's great (laughs) yeah pretty much how did you choose the different cons that taxidermy percussion and fandom how did you choose those did the character come to you first and then you match them with a con or did you have the con first con first yeah Yeah. con first for me too Uh, this is Lindsay again i took point on the fan convention Mm -hmm. because that is very much where I come from. I learned how to read critically and edit other people and be edited and to write in Harry Potter fandom when I was in, I think, mostly college. Um, And I'm still really involved in the fan world. It's just like become this part of my identity that's taken root and never left. I think LeakyCon was only maybe the second or third big fan convention that I've ever been to. It's like just the internet come to life in this very specific way. And I, I've been wanting to write about it for a really long time. So I was like, give me the fan con. I don't care what you guys do. (laughs) 
this is Michelle, when Lindsay and Allison told me the idea and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, well, duh, of course. <laughs> um, and Allison asked, what comm would you do? And I immediately knew it would be a percussion thing because I attended PASIC, Percussive Arts Society International Convention, all four years of high school and in college. I've competed in it four times, won all four times. Thank you very much. Hey. <laughs> Nice. That was my life in high school. It was incredibly formative for me. My first published books were the I Heart Band series, which is a middle grade series about a girl in a middle school band. And it was so fun to revisit those days that I immediately knew that revisiting the high school version of that <laughs> would be just yeah. as fun, if not better, because, you know, you go away with your friends to a convention and crazy shit happens. <laughs> we had to force her to write a kissing scene, though. Yeah. There's a kissing scene that There's goes horribly awry, but it did not exist for the first... <laughs> the first draft the first several drafts uh, yeah like it took a while i drug my feet real hard yeah well she comes from middle grade it's understandable <laughs> she had to learn our ways <laughs> and i have absolutely no personal connection to taxidermy at all <laughs> my brand is that i pick something that i think is super weird and that i want to learn about and call it work <laughs> and that i do a ton of research about it and then i write about it I have done beauty pageants. I have done reality television. I have done dog shows. <laughs> Taxidermy is just a thing that I have always thought was really bizarre. And I wanted to know all about it. And now I know all about it, you guys. <laughs> well, I have a weird taxidermy story. Believe it or not. Oh my God. I was at a book festival. It was somewhat local in that it was an Ohio festival. And you know how they tell authors, have something to bring people to your table. Have something that will draw in a crowd, right? Bring people over. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, okay, you know, I'll put out candy. I have a big poster. I'll give away things. The most effective thing I've ever seen was when I sat next to a psychic and she gave out free palm readings. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Smart lady. There was a line. Yeah. And people were stuck in the line looking at my books. I sold a shit ton of books. <laughs> That's so great. Um, so I was at this festival. This guy really took the bring people to your table very seriously. And he brought a taxidermied cat. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. Oh, a cat? What? A cat. His book had nothing to do with taxidermy or cats. Oh, no. Uh, he just brought a taxidermied cat. What? Scholastic taxidermied a mouse for us for our book cover, and I own the mouse, and I totally <laughs> intend to bring it to festivals if we go to festivals. But it has something to do with the book. Five years ago, Michael Sterling disappeared from his main town. Everyone assumed he was kidnapped. Everyone was wrong. Now 17, Michael, who goes by Sean, has come home to save the boy he developed an intensely complicated relationship with while he was away. An LGBT love story filled with complex and messy characters, Helene Dunbar's Boomerang explores coming to terms with who you are, what you want, and how vast the difference can be between the two. Coming up, Allison, Lindsay, and Michelle tell us more about each of their characters in the pros of cons, their motivations, their wants, their needs, and taxidermy. WordToKindle.com is an ebook and book formatting service for self publishing authors. We make it easy and cheap to self publish on Amazon and Smashwords. Visit WordToKindle. That's word-the-number-two-kindle.com to find out more. 
So why don't you tell me about each of the characters a little bit more, each of you taking point on the character that you wrote and then telling us a little bit more about their personality and how they work into the plot. So my character's name is Callie, and she is at the World Taxidermy Championships with her dad. She has been working as her dad's assistant because her parents have recently gotten divorced, and her dad has become extremely withdrawn since the divorce, and working with him is pretty much the only way that she can get him to pay attention to her. So she has come to this con hoping to bond with him. And while she is there, she learns that her dad has been keeping a rather large secret from her, which kind of derails her wanting to bond with him. But there's a dead turkey that's very important. Very It's very important. (laughs) This is Michelle. Uh, My character is Phoebe Bird, and she is a drummer. She is attending the Indoor Percussion Association Convention, competing with her high school's percussion ensemble, which is pretty heavily based on my experience competing with drumline in high school. Super competitive, very much one of the guys, very sexist. Please don't DNF the book because of Phoebe. I promise it's <laughs> part of her arc. She learns how terrible she is. <laughs> she just has a problem with girls, and she needs to figure it out. Also, she has a kissing scene. I don't even want to call it a kissing scene, though, Lindsay. There's kissing in there. No, but it's like it's more like a horrible makeout gone wrong. <laughs> like... Is this where the turkey no. comes in? Oh my god. <laughs> Publishers Weekly called our book occasionally slapstick, and it is because of that kissing scene. <laughs> awesome! Yeah. I feel like that's a compliment. Oh, I took it I as well. I feel like it's a compliment. I totally yeah. took it as okay. well. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a very good review, and I think they meant it in a positive way. <laughs> this is Lindsay. Um, my character's name is Vanessa Montoya O'Callaghan, and she is at the We Treasure Fandom Convention, which shortens to WTFCon. She is there to meet her online girlfriend in person for the first time. So this is a person who's a couple of years older than her. She's in college, and they met online because they're part of the same made-up fandom. They've started writing fan fiction together, and then they started, like, flirting a little bit, and they've been dating for a while, and Vanessa's just like, okay, not going to tell my parents about this because she's so much older than me, but I'm going to go to this convention, and here's what's going to happen. We're going to make out, and it's going to be <laughs> great, and I've never even kissed anybody before. She meets this girl for the first time. She turns out to be kind of a completely different person in person than she is online. All of Vanessa's expectations are... Shattered, would you say? (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to reframe everything to sort of catch up with what's actually going on. And through the friendships that she makes with these other girls, she is forced to confront some things about herself and her relationships and then deal with them. I'm glad you mentioned making out (laughs) because I really dislike when I'm reading characters that have never kissed or they're just very innocent in a lot of ways. And then they meet somebody they like, and they have sex. And I'm like, yeah, some people operate that way. But let me tell you something. I made out for years. Making out has become something that just gets skipped over. And I don't know that if it's because writing that feels like you have to be a little more specific so that you are being clear that they aren't having sex. But then in that sense, it also becomes somewhat more graphic because you are having to detail things more. So it's just something that I, as a writer, am always really aware of. And I remember reading a great makeout scene and I was like, that's so awesome. I am so happy right now. (laughs) Making out isn't just like a means of getting to somewhere else. Right. Absolutely. 
it's showing affection and experimenting and exploring. That was what a lot of my high school was. Yeah, right. And I feel like that's something that doesn't really get explored enough. When I'm thinking about these readers that aren't having sex, but they are, in a sense, sexually active, not seeing their own sexual experiences reflected. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? This is Lindsay again. Um, I like seeing a range of experiences in YA, which which mm-hmm. we kind of do. Like, there are a lot of characters like ours who they're in it for the makeouts because that's where they are in their lives. That's where they are in their mm-hmm. individual relationships. I like where YA is right now in terms of there being a, a huge range of options. You mm-hmm. are going to have teenagers who are looking for their own experiences reflected, but you're also probably going to have teenagers who are looking to read sort of beyond where they are experience wise. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I did Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I was like, okay, there are so many things that I haven't done in terms of like other life stuff too. You kind of read to, to see the world beyond your own experience sometimes. So it really depends Mm -hmm. on what you're Mm -hmm. looking for. And I like that you kind of have your pick. Oh yeah. (laughs) Mindy, I think I kind of understand what you're saying too. YA books weren't a thing when I was a teenager, (laughs) but I was thinking about movies while you were talking, 80s and 90s movies about teenagers. And Mm -hmm. yeah, sex is like the goal. Sex is the end. Sex is like the climax, haha, of the movie. (laughs) Anything about teenagers. And yeah, I did want to watch that. And I was very curious about it. But man, it would have been really cool if there had been something where the goal was just kissing or making out. Because I wasn't ready Mm -hmm. for that. Like Lindsay said, about having the options. I love that all of the sex and all things leading up to sex that are written in YA now are not like super romantic. Yeah. Like candles mm-hmm. and everybody <laughs> saying the right thing. Like Michelle's scene is super awkward. Yeah, it's, and it's so awkward. Because right. like when you do these things as a teenager, you don't know what you're doing. Right. And it's, it goes nope. really wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. So I was pleased to have that in our book. My scene, poor Vanessa gets her oh. first kiss, and it's like the worst first kiss yeah, anybody could ever have. Too. It's so sad. Yeah, and I was really pleased that I did not have to write a romance <laughs> plot at all. Dislike writing any kind of kissing or whatever, and it partially it's just because of who I am. I'm just not interested in writing that, but also because I did work in a high school for 15 years, it feels voyeuristic. To yeah, me. Oh, that's fair. Mm. Yeah. To write teenagers making out. It just makes me, I, I don't think it's gross that teenagers make out. I know, <laughs> they make out, but I don't want to think about it because they're like my kids. Yeah. yeah. Once you had a manuscript, how do you go about selling a co-authored book like this? Whose agent takes point or is it a triumvirate of agents? We, again, we have these three powerhouse agents. They divided the work pretty evenly amongst themselves. I think we had a, a list of 12 editors that we went to. Yeah. They each took point on a third of the list and handled submissions and feedback. Yeah, it was just a matter of whose editor bit first. <laughs> they all worked really well together. I remember when I was first talking to Brenda about this project, I was like, hey, so would you be up for selling a co-authored book that I'm writing with Allison and Michelle, who she already knew of. And Brenda was like, who are their agents? And I was like, Sarah Davies and Holly Root. And Brenda was like, oh, no, they're great. This is going to be awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) Because she had to know that she could work with the other agents, I'm sure. Yeah, and like, they're all amazing. We didn't really doubt that they would work well together. This is the kind of book that will appeal to fellow 
con attendees, without a doubt. Cons have a very specific feel to them, and capturing that honestly will be of great value to readers who are already personally invested. As the authors, you clearly have your own affections for that specific setting. But how do you go about creating that special con atmosphere for those who have never experienced a con or don't understand the attraction? It's funny that you would ask this because that's the one thing I remember our editor complimenting us on when we had our very first phone call with him. Do you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. He said something like, it made me feel like I was at a a con or like remember that Mm -hmm. excitement. And I definitely, for me personally, because I I did this every year in high school, and I was mentally back there every time I worked on drafting this book. The excitement of being away, you're away from your parents and your family, you're staying in a hotel with a bunch of teenagers. Everything about it, feeling of freedom, even though there's chaperones everywhere, that was a big part of it for me. Being able to go off and explore and go to the different workshops, go to whatever you want. For me, it was a little different because the fan convention culture is like there are so many millions of fan convention attendees every year. Like Comic-Con has become a mainstream thing. Mm-hmm. which is r- really, really Absolutely. different than when I was a teenager, like sitting in the corner reading my Star Wars tie-in novels that are not canon anymore, apparently, but whatever. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I love the new movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about sort of making it universal by being really specific. I don't know. It's something that I've kind of always stuck by. I go in with this character who's, she likes very specific things. She has a very, very personal relationship with her own fandom, with her own Uh, experience of writing and having her writing be read by strangers on the internet. She's got things that she wants to do and places that she wants to be. And she's kind of an introvert. So it's kind of hard for her. She's (laughs) the most introverted (laughs) character I've ever written in my life. (laughs) One of the greatest things about Vanessa's character though, is how it's like, she's finding her tribe because she found her tribe online because her tribe is not at school in her real life. That was very much me in high school. I was on fan message boards back when, A, message boards were a thing. Back in the Mm -hmm. days when, like, do you have an email address was a legitimate question to which the answer might still be no. (laughs) I would aim message people about X-Files. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, people I didn't know. Yeah, totally. I was on an X-Files message board, and people, I would have their aim names, and I would shoot, like, people, I don't know them. They don't know me. And I'm like, oh, my God, did you see that episode last night? (laughs) R.I.P. aim, by the way. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, I was devastated. Like, I am not okay. Yeah, I'm still not over it. No, that door opening noise and the door closing. No, I can hear it. Part of my life. Yeah. That was me in high school. To a lesser extent, me in college. In high school, you don't have anything in common with any of the people in your classes necessarily, except maybe a zip code. You are Mm -hmm. shoved together by virtue of where you live. And if you don't have anything in common with anybody, well, then you're shit out of luck. Until you find the internet. And if you are a fanish person like I was or like my character Vanessa is, it's pretty easy to find your people there. This is the experience of Vanessa finding her people in person for the first time and sort of dealing with like mm-hmm. actual physical bodies attached to all of these usernames. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be jarring. Yeah, and I, I did that little by little instead of all at once when I was in high school. Like I'd meet people online. I'd meet them in person one every couple of months, depending on who was in the area. The convention Mm -hmm. thing just sort of kicks it up several levels all at once. (laughs) Yeah, it's intense. And my character actually kind of has the complete opposite thing of Lindsay's character Mm -hmm. because she Mm -hmm. is doing okay in her normal life, but she is at this con where she doesn't really want to be and none of her people are there. She therefore has to find her people at the other cons, (laughs) which is 
one of the catalysts for them meeting to begin with. But I don't know that my goal was at all to draw the reader into what I was writing. I don't need them to be interested in a taxidermy convention. I don't need them to be interested (laughs) in taxidermy at all. We are, though. They can't help but be. (laughs) Well, I think you were more interested in drawing people into Callie's relationship with Exactly. I mean, when I write these weird things in the books that I write, it's a backdrop against which to set other things. The point of the book is not the taxidermy convention. The point of the book for Callie is her relationship with her dad and her figuring out what she wants to do with her life, which is not anything to do with taxidermy. (laughs) The taxidermy is incidental and I hope really entertaining. Well, see, incidental taxidermy has to be a number one. <laughs> no, that's a band. I think that's my new band. <laughs> that is a bit. Everyone, tell us what is up next for you and where listeners can find you okay. online. Um, this is Lindsay. I don't have anything under contract yet. Hopefully, soon, maybe. I'm drafting again for the first time since the election. Yay. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. you can find me at lindsayrebar.com. This is Michelle. I have another co authored book. This one's middle grade coming out in April. It's written with Kirsten Hubbard, although we wrote it under the pseudonyms Kier Fox and M. Shelley Coates. The series is called Secrets of Topsy, and the first book is a friendly town that's almost always by the ocean. We pitched it as sideways stories from Wayside School meets Welcome to Night Vale, which I think pretty much sums up everything you need to know about it. (laughs) It's out April 17th, and then I also have a middle grade horror fantasy novel coming out July 31st called Spell and Spindle. And I have struggled with pitching this, so I'm just going to go with it's about puppets and the patriarchy. This is Allison. I have another middle grade coming out in September. It is called Ella Unleashed, and it is about a girl who is trying to be a dog show champion and also find a new girlfriend for her divorced dad by impersonating him on an online dating site. So I like to say it's about dog shows oh, and nice. catfishing. Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh! We forgot to say our where to find us. My website is michelleshusterman.com and I'm on Instagram at michelleshusterman. And my website is allisoncherrybooks.com and there's one Ellen Allison and you can find me on Twitter at allison underscore cherry and also Instagram. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. If you find the podcast or blog helpful, please consider making a donation by visiting GoFundMe.com and searching for Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire. Or visit the blog by going to WriterWriterPantsOnFire.blogspot.com. Click on the podcast tab and then the PayPal button. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. Join me next week for another episode of Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, where writers talk about things that never happened to people that don't exist.